Welcome to Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Join us in a sex-positive awakening adventure to help create a sex-positive world. Become part of a movement and start living a sex-positive lifestyle free of sexual shame and guilt. Adult Bedtime Stories is a Ravenslayer production. Adult Bedtime Stories is a show dedicated to bringing sacredness back to our sexuality and to learn about everything sexual. Allow the beautiful sexy creature within you to emerge. Each week the focus of the show will be on a different sexual topic designed to enlighten you so you develop more fully as a sexual being. This is a sex education that you didn't receive in high school, but should have. Imagine for a moment that we could change the world and live a sex-positive lifestyle. In our sex-negative world, the process of socialization teaches us to feel shame and guilt around sex. By adopting a new set of attitudes and values around sex, we can view sex with a new understanding, which is accompanied with positive emotions and the attitude that sex is a sacred act. I am Lady Boy Chi a sex expert, a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. Hello and welcome. I am Ladyboy Chi-Chi. And you're listening to Adult Bedtime Stories. And I have Jay with me, my partner. Hello. <laughs> We're going to be talking about asexuals. I know oftentimes asexuality gets kind of left out mm-hmm. in discussions and, and in sexuality because asexuals usually aren't interested in sex. Mm-hmm. for the most part. It doesn't do anything for them. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about it and have Jay kind of one of my experts on asexuals <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> talk a little bit about what it means to be asexual. Okay. Well, I don't know if I'm an expert. I'm an expert on what it means to me, but uh, yeah. And I think, you know, it's it's good in any discussion of sex positivity to talk about people who don't necessarily like sex, and that's okay. And there are a lot of myths out there about sexuality, asexuality, excuse me. And one of the myths is that people who are asexual, if they're not interested in sex, well, they must have had a bad experience with it or something, and if they only just tried harder or had a better partner or had better toys or something like that, then they would enjoy it. But that's not really the way it, that's not the way it works. Yeah, and 
I was kind of trying to think of how to explain this. Because there are some people who, you know, have had bad sex and they're like, oh, I'm not interested in sex. Then they have good sex. They're like, oh, this is what's what it's all about, right? Well, that's not asexual. That just means you didn't have a good partner necessarily. But yeah, there's some people who have had good sex in the past and it's good. It's fine. But they just they just don't they're not interested in it. And that's that's where I am. It's, It's not that I haven't had good sex in the past, but, you know. I could I could do without it. <laughs> it's fine and it's it's fine if I get it, it's fine if I don't. But there is so much emphasis in this society on, you know, sex and romance and you got to be having really great sex all the time and and I think also in the sex positivity movement, sometimes it does kind of come across as you've got to have great sex all the time. You got to be wild. You got to be adventurous. And if not, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. You know? I think for me, we got into quite a discussion on it Mm -hmm. yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Which kind of got us into the topic tonight. But I think that there's this kind of expectation in our sex negative culture Mm -hmm. to have sex. Mm Mm-hmm. Even if you're not into it. Yeah, yeah. And there's this kind of push and this whole concept of, oh, you've got to have a partner. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you can't go out to dinner by yourself or yeah, go yeah. to a movie by yourself. Yeah. And so there's this kind of pressure, social pressure. To, Definitely. To be hooked up with somebody and mm-hmm. sexual. Yeah. <laughs> And maybe now would be a good time to also um, distinguish between asexuals and aromantics. Yeah. So there is a difference between, of course, being sexual with somebody and being romantic with somebody. I don't know if you've talked about this before, but, you know, someone can be, let's say, primarily homosexual in attraction. I'm only attracted to men or I'm only attracted to women, but have intimate relationships with both genders or with all genders, I should say, or, you know, whatever. So asexuals may want the romance and the hugging and the kissing, and they may want a partner, but they just aren't that interested in having sex with them. Mm -hmm. And then people who are aromantic don't even want the romance. And they just, you know, then they may have very strong friendships and very strong... Friendship isn't really the word because they can have strong relationships with people. But it's just not a romantic, you know, kissing, hugging, mm-hmm. holding hands type thing. Yeah. Um, so some people are both ace and arrow or arrow. I don't know how to say it. Come to think of it, I've only read the, the term. Um, and some people can be, they want to have a romantic partner, but just not a sexual partner. And right. Ace. And I remember long, early on in my young adulthood, mm-hmm. I met a guy and he was more of a brother to me. Mm-hmm. But we were very intimate and close. We mm-hmm. slept together naked. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed that comfort of having a guy holding me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it never was sexual. It was more yeah. like he was my brother than in a mm-hmm. deep brotherly love. Yeah, yeah. Other than, and not really a lover, or there's no romance, there's no mm-hmm. kissing. It's yeah. just that... Being held and feeling that nurturing. Yeah. And I think that's also another another misconception <clears throat> is that people who are asexual 
and or a romantic don't love people. And mm -hmm. we do, you yeah. know. I mean, you can love somebody without wanting to have a romantic relationship with them. And we just don't have a word for that. You know, we say friends, but friend could be anything from, like what you were saying, a very uh -huh. deep, intimate, non-sexual, non-romantic relationship. And it could be somebody who's like, oh, yeah, every so often we go out for lunch together. Yeah, We just have such a broad umbrella term because... Mm -hmm. Oh, ironically, this is such a sex-negative society, but it also it pushes people into these sexual relationships. And it's like you can either have a friendship or a romance with somebody. But if it's a friendship, it's, it's almost kind of a, a shallow thing, I think, sometimes. It's like, well, if you get more deeply connected to people, well, then surely you must be somehow sexually attracted to them or romantically attracted to them. It's like, mm, no, you don't have to be. And I think that does people a, a big disservice because if you're in a relationship with somebody, you are in a sexual romantic relationship with somebody, right? And then you meet somebody else and you have that deep connection with them, right? Mm -hmm. And not necessarily, like, like what you were talking about, the not necessarily romantic or sexual thing, but, you know, yeah. deep connection and just, wow, man, this person gets me on so many levels or whatever. Our society has this idea that, first of all, there's, you know, one true love, right? And if yeah. you love somebody, if you're interested in somebody, excuse me, then they must be your one true love. And so you say, hmm, well, I'm interested in this person. I'm in some way attracted to them. I must not be attracted to my lover anymore. And then that's when cheating happens. And, and that's when, you know, people can break up with each other and then go out with somebody else. And, and, and you touch on that uh, soulmate myth. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that there's one and only one match for me. Yeah, yeah. And it's made by... <laughs> And isn't it so convenient that person just happens to live in your neighborhood and just happens to be the right age? Wow, yeah. that was really convenient. Well, uh, you know, the probabilities of having soulmates yeah. in a world with, what, 7 billion people now? Yeah, and it's, yeah. I'm going to say, very lucky this person lives here and not on the other side of the world. That would really, really yeah. stink. And I'm not saying, you know, of course, obviously there are people who match better with you. And there are people, I think maybe there are people who are soulmates, but notice my use of the plural, right? You yeah. know, I don't think there's one true person for everybody. There can be multiple people. Yeah. And I think the idea of saying, and here's why I don't like that, that particular trope is part of the problem then is, yeah. So you meet somebody, you fall in love with them. Oh, you, my love, I love you so much. And then when you find somebody else and you're at all attracted to them, you know, that's natural. That's normal. It happens. And then you say, oh, well, then this person A must not be my one true love. Maybe it's person B. So you dump person A to go with person B. And then, you know, the excitement, the honeymoon phase. Oh, we're so excited. Which inevitably kind of dies down and to more companionate love. And then you say, oh, well, oh, now this other person is looking attractive. Maybe they're my soulmate. So, you know, just, just. You can be attracted to different people in, in different ways. and yeah. um, Or like I say, and just, you know, not attracted to people at all sexually, but still be attracted in, in a more romantic or a more intimate friendship kind of way. And I find it interesting because the Greek language mm -hmm. oh, had yeah. seven That's... different words for love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of made 
more distinctions between types of love. Yeah. And yeah. we have one single word yeah. for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we have one word, but we, we do qualify it. We have brotherly mm-hmm. love and friendly, sisterly love, whatever. Yeah. Uh, romantic love, erotic love. And we do distinguish between romantic love and erotic love. But again, in this society... And I wonder if that's, you know, part of the sex negative thing is to say you should only have sex with somebody you are romantically involved with. So they, we, t- we tend to conflate, I think, uh, romantic and sexual love and say they should be the same if they aren't. Yeah. <laughs> Which they aren't, but, you know, <laughs> so I think you can have a sexual attraction to somebody and not want to date them. And you can want to date somebody and not necessarily want to have sex with them, so... And it kind of, we're kind of also touching on the whole idea of sexual orientation, mm-hmm. which I've always kind of thought was a bit of a myth. It's, yeah. It's not deep enough of a mm-hmm. real qualifier of yeah. what's going on. Yeah. Oftentimes, and I've said this on the show in the past, that when you're attracted to someone, it's not just what's between their legs. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. the sparkle in their eye, the way they move, the way yeah. they talk, mm-hmm. the way they uh, show affection to you. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. so many different things going on that saying that attraction is based on opposite or same sex is the only operant, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. just too shallow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think originally it had a, you know, a purpose because everybody was assumed to be straight or that they should be straight. And so the idea of homosexuality came up that's like, hey, I can be attracted to someone of my own gender. Mm-hmm. But I think now it is too narrow, partly. And I think there's also kind of a sense sometimes of, you know, well, if you're homosexual then you're only going to be a man only attracted to other men. And if you're attracted to a woman, well, you're not gay anymore. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you kind of are. Or if you're a woman, you should only be attracted to women. And I think that causes a lot of problems for people who maybe used to date in high school and date somebody Mm -hmm. of another gender, and then they say, no, I think I'm primarily attracted to females or males or whatever. Sometimes there's a sense of you have to prove that you're queer enough. And it's like, mm-hmm. no. But I think it's it's changing now. And I think more and more people are starting to come to some of these ideas. You know, of course, there's homosexual, heterosexual, bisexual. And then there's pansexual. There's sapiosexual, which is people who, who identify as they're attracted to somebody's intelligence. And, yeah, not, and they, they say not the gender. They're attracted to what's between your ears instead of what's between your legs, you know. Uh-huh. Um <laughs> demisexuals who say, well, I'm not attracted to somebody until after I get to know them. And a lot of people say, oh, yeah, that's me, that's me. Well, no, these people will say, I literally cannot look at somebody and say, I am sexually attracted to you. They do not become sexually attracted until after they become friends with somebody. Whereas a lot of people will say that, but they're like, ooh, this person's kind of cute, and I think I want to get to know them, and then become friends, and that's not demisexual. But uh, yeah, so so I think things are opening up and, mm-hmm. and there's some interesting things. But like I say, there's still always that subsection of people who just are not attracted at all. You know, sex yeah. just doesn't interest them. And then there's, uh, well, Fritz Klein's book, The Bisexual mm-hmm. Option. Mm-hmm. He ha- breaks down 
se sexual orientation on, what is it, seven scales? Something like that, I yeah. think. Yeah, and it's like there's mental attraction, there's mm -hmm. physical attraction, there's... Yeah, intellectual, romantic attractions, mm -hmm. kind of friendship attraction. Yeah, so, so it's interesting, and again, you can kind of see that for a lot of people today in, in straight society, especially with men, you know, and so they're like, oh, yeah, I'm heterosexual. I like women, except there's this weird thing now where it's like, oh, asking a girl out and wanting to go on a date with her is so gay. <laughs> Excuse me? Um, is that kind of the opposite of gay? Uh, that's kind of on the heterosexual side. But so it's like, oh, no, all my friends are male. They have stronger bonds with men. I mean, a lot of that is, of course, can be can be. Um, the misogynistic society, but there are a lot of guys who have stronger friendships with men and then romantic interests in women. Or, you know, just friendship, you know, I don't know, casual friendships with men and more intellectual friendships with women or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's, there's more than just sexual slash romantic slash friend attraction that you can't, you can't lump all of those together. Nah. It just doesn't work. And then... You know, I don't know why it came to mind, but Jim Carper mm -hmm. used to love the fag hags mm -hmm. <laughs> that hung around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a whole different kind of relationship. Yeah, you know, who do you feel comfortable around yeah. and who are you, who can you and they, be yourself you know, with? You know, they were women that liked to hang out with gay men because they mm -hmm. felt no pressure. Yeah. And whereas if they went out with with straight men, there's always that pressure to mm -hmm. to become romantic or become uh, hit on. <laughs> yeah, and again, I think that's something that's kind of ingrained in our society is that men and women, straight men and straight women, cannot be friends. Then, of course, there's the dreaded friend zone that a lot of straight guys get upset about being put into and they're like oh i'm friends with this woman but she still doesn't want to go out with me yeah that's because she's your friend <laughs> dummy mm -hmm. you know there's there's no such thing as a friend zone dude if you're only being friends with somebody because you want to get in her pants you're really not her friend okay yeah. that's the way it works and so that's where i think a lot of women are like you know what i want to be friends with a guy i'm going to be friends with some guy who's not trying to to get me in bed yeah you know and there can be so, friendship with uh, the sexual undertones mm -hmm. that aren't acted upon. And yeah. I've had some of those relationships. Yeah, yeah. They weren't interested in me that way, and mm -hmm. I respected that. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it's something that we just need to be more sensitive to, I think, in, yeah. a, in our culture. That yeah. Just because... There's a woman, cute woman walking down the street. You don't go up and grab her ass. Yeah, really. <laughs> or catcall. Or... Mm -hmm. Well, that has to do, I think, with some of that male privilege. And, you yeah. know, it's like women are here to look attractive for men. And it's funny because so many men will say, no, no, that's not what I think. But, you know, I think, and then they're like, they're the same ones who will tell me, smile, you look so much prettier when you smile. Why should I look pretty for you? I don't <laughs> yeah. know you. You don't know me, you know? Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, but I think it's, again, to go back to our original topic, is it's that undercurrent of sex, or saying that sex should be an undercurrent almost in a relationship, every relationship, 
So yes, obviously a man and a woman cannot be friends because obviously there's going to be a sexual undercurrent there. And it's like, um, no, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be. I think especially for guys that are asexual, mm-hmm. it's kind oh, of yeah. looked on That's... as, what's wrong with you? Are you mentally ill? Or... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the pressure to, to score and to, to rack up the notches on your bedpost, so to speak. and seen that because I've known a few through the bi community, mm-hmm. quite a few asexuals. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of guys that are asexual, it can be very traumatic. Yeah, I can imagine, you know. Because of the social pressure. Yeah, that, the pressures are much and, more different for men than, than for women in that regard. Mm-hmm. There's one of the movies I had to watch for um, my sex coach training mm-hmm. and it was the 30 year old virgin or 35 year old virgin oh yeah yeah <laughs> rom-com thing. and yeah. mm-hmm. you know as soon as the word got out that he was a virgin mm-hmm. all his friends were trying to get him hooked up and yeah get him yeah. to break the virginity because that's too old to be a virgin <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah i haven't seen it but apparently yeah there were even some things in there where it was you know some non-consensual sex there mm-hmm. where the woman basically you know jumped on the guy and and for all intents and purposes almost raped him yeah and it was played for laughs it's like because of course a guy can't be raped by a woman i mean obviously he's gonna want her unless he's gay but it's like no that's not at all what it is. Yeah, so I, I think asexuality kind of, um, I don't know if I want to say manifests itself, but I think there are issues, different issues with men versus women. Yeah. Yeah, so with men, there's the whole, you should be doing, that's what it means to be a man, is to do that, um, to have sex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and to be the conqueror, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And uh, for women, if they don't have, if they're asexual, it's like, well, you just haven't met the right man yet, you know. Which is, of course, the same thing that what they say for lesbians. It's like, no, nope. Yeah. <laughs> Just not interested one way or the other. Mm-hmm. But, uh... but I would like to get back to Fritz Klein for a moment. And, okay. Because if you haven't read the book, The Bisexual Option really is mm-hmm. an amazing book yeah. as far as really kind of understanding sexual orientation at a little bit deeper level. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's still quite captures yeah, yeah all dimensions but it's definitely better than the <laughs> current yeah. kinsey scale mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah didn't he have like a sort of a snowflake aspect so there were all yeah. the you know there's the kinsey scale in like five different directions so to speak yeah and, yeah. and uh yeah sexual orientation well even just the whole concept of bonding together we always think it has to be a sexual bond. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there yeah. can be very strong platonic bonds Yeah, that yeah. can be very powerful. And, mm-hmm. and like I said, I had that, quote, boyfriend that we never mm-hmm. had sex, but... Yeah. And it's hard to... We don't even have a word for it. Yeah, yeah. And but that's... It's a relationship that was very dynamic and special and... Mm-hmm. And it came at a time in my life when I needed someone like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it was just this very compassionate and yeah. bonding, mm-hmm. deep bonds. Yeah, that, yeah. 
and the nurturing and the just coming together with another person and feeling that intimacy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes intimacy can be, or at least with him, it went deeper than with the lover, or differently yeah. than with the lover. Yeah, yeah. Because sex it's... wasn't in the picture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we got went in other directions in the intimacy. And that was very, I mean, powerful for me. He was someone I could cry with, I could mm-hmm. share my emotions with. And yeah. for a lot of guys, being emotional is kind of taboo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's And even I think more that's so something he than... got out of the mm-hmm. relationship was he could be emotional with me. Yeah. And there was that deep bonding. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was just thinking about this as you were talking about that. And, you know, it's true. We don't really have a word for it except friend. And now you say, oh, well, this is my best friend or this is my close friend or whatever. But I think sometimes there's still sort of a, a expectation, perhaps, that when you have a love or when you find, you know, your one, uh, if we if we may... <laughs> That friends are going to take a, a back seat or friends aren't going to be as important. Or if you have a lover, you don't need those strong friend relationships. Mm-hmm. And so, again, that's, you know, we technically have a term for it, but it just, it doesn't, again, there there's a wide variety, a wide range in friendships. But mm-hmm. that close, deep, intimate relationship that you were talking about people still call it friends and then they say well that's going to be like less important than a than a love mm-hmm. relationship or when you have a lover you'll get rid of your other friends and that that depth and you and know, I think trying to, to rank them in that way mm-hmm. that it's like comparing apples to oranges yeah They're totally absolutely. different things yeah but again that's sort of the mm-hmm. expectation is that once you have a lover you don't really need other friends yeah or, you know, again, there's the the casual friends. Yeah, my work friend that we go have lunch with and and uh, those are still around. But, yeah, the idea that once you have a lover, your lover is going to be both your partner and your friend. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's very actually harmful in oh, yeah. many ways, too, because then it's like one person becomes everything. And that's just it's not healthy, you know. It's, but, well. um you know, I've seen relationships like that where they just mm-hmm. smother each other. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, they're not allowed to have outside friends. And, mm-hmm. and, yeah. they... and that's, I think, the way that a lot of times that society kind of frames it and some of the the books and the movies, you know, you are mentioning the movies and, and all these rom-coms out there where it's like once you find your love and... Then you ditch your friends and you don't hang out with them anymore, and that's seen as a good thing. <laughs> it's like, no, it really isn't. But um, yeah. And then I think just you know to go back to the idea of asexuality that that's you know why these people are seen as something wrong with them because they don't want that, and mm-hmm. so it's like oh well, so you're only going to be friends with people for the rest of your life? That's so less than kind of. Yeah. And um, and it's not you know you can have deeply satisfying relationships with people without the sex and the romance and and that boy that uh mm-hmm. was very close to us closer to him than many of my past lovers mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh we there's just that deep 
connection between us. Yeah, yeah. And I think part of it is consider myself an energy being within a physical form. Mm-hmm. And when I'm with another person, there's ways we can connect energetically, mm-hmm. whether it's through sex or through just intimacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think a part of what feeds me is that energy connection I have with people. Yeah, yeah. And that can be a very powerful force mm-hmm. for us. It kind of helps. Yeah. I know for me, being an extrovert, mm-hmm. uh, it really energizes me. <laughs> yeah, well, you get your energy from other people. That's kind of, you know, mm-hmm. one of the definitions of, of extroversion. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and you can get that energy in many different ways. And, again, that intimacy and that sort of energy exchange without mm-hmm. without sex doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be there. I know for you, being a little more introverted, <laughs> yeah, your, your <laughs> battery charge is laying in bed with a good book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So introverts, you know, can hang out with other people, but we charge our batteries, yeah, by being more alone and having that downtime. So. And I think it's kind of an interesting comparison between asexuality and extroversion and Mm. introversion yeah yeah because so often in our culture introverts are misunderstood Mm -hmm, definitely yeah people think oh there's something wrong with you if you don't like to hang out with people (laughs) yeah yeah if you're not going out on a friday night partying getting drunk Mm -hmm. something wrong with you yeah nope and, I, you know, I think it's good we're doing this show on asexuality because mm-hmm. too often someone grows up thinking, well, am I broken? Mm-hmm. Is there something wrong with me? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and no, uh, there's nothing wrong with yeah. you. Uh, it's who you are and how you're made up. Mm-hmm. We're all made of, we're all unique and different. Yeah, yeah. And there isn't a right and a wrong to yes, this. yeah. Yeah, and that's that's just not something that is seen, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have to hunt out the books on asexuality and and uh ironically, there are actually quite a few um asexual romance novels out there. And everyone <laughs> says, "What? How can that be?" Well, you could still have a romance and just okay. not have sex with people. Yeah. There's some there's some pretty good ones out there. But I've always kind of few and far that. between. So. <laughs> Sex and romance are two different things, really. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and they can exist together or they can exist separately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they don't always have to go together. Yeah, yeah. And there's it's... this kind of assumption that, oh, if you're romantically mm-hmm. involved, involved, then you should be having there has sex. To be sex involved. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And one of the things that, you know, I did a um, part of my studies at Sex Coach U is looking at what's called the sexless marriage. After the honeymoon phase, Uh oftentimes couples lose interest in sex. Mm -hmm. And in our culture, we look at it as, oh, that's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. But it sometimes can be a good thing. It depends on the couple. Yeah. I think and that how if, they interact, huh? And how they interact, and how <laughs> yeah, they, you know, yeah. if they're not just 
sexual if they have other interests in common and, and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But uh, And so I, I kind of wanted to mention that because whether or not you're in a long-term relationship, sex can be a part of it or it can mm-hmm. you, your relationship can evolve to a different level. Yeah. And you get so much out of all different kinds of relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, that makes me think of uh, another myth about asexuality is the idea that someone who's asexual would not have any interest in sex ever. And I think that's where a lot of confusion comes in for people who are ace and people who aren't is they might say, well, you know, we're in a relationship. We used to have great sex, and now you don't want to have sex with me anymore? What's wrong? You know? Yeah. So, well, I think I'm asexual. How can you be ace? You, you had orgasms. That, that, that. <laughs> well, that's not the same thing, right? And you were talking yeah. about that honeymoon phase, right? Yeah. When you first get involved with somebody, and you're all excited, and you're interested. And, and yeah, you know, sometimes there's an interest in sex that may not, like, for, like I say, an asexual brief thing, you yeah. know, a, a, a brief moment. You get excited. You want to spend all your time with each other, right? Mm-hmm. That's the... That's the fun part, and um, and, and then it goes away. And that's producing all those really good chemicals. Yeah, yeah, the feel good hormones, you know. And <laughs> then on top of the world. Yeah, the, and I I always thought there was something wrong with me because I'd get in relationships, I'd start dating somebody, and yeah, I'd be all interested in him, and okay, it's great, and yeah, we'd have sex, and sex would be good, and. It's like after a while, it's like, oh, yeah, we're still having sex? Okay, I guess, whatever. And, I, you know, my interest would go down. And I mm-hmm. thought, yeah, what's wrong with me? I, yeah. I liked him, you know, a week ago. What, what's wrong with this? And, well, the feel-good hormones are wearing off, you know. And, yeah. and um, So there's this expectation that if you become sexual with someone, that it's always going to stay that way. Yeah, yeah. And that it's going to be, uh, you know, in the movies, they live happily ever after mm-hmm, many of yeah. the the stories the mm-hmm. boy meets girl falls in love and yeah <laughs> live and happily they, ever after they end right after they get together they end still in the honeymoon phase yeah and, and uh but real life isn't like that no no definitely not but uh but yeah mm-hmm. just so that's that can also be a source of confusion, though, because people are like, hey, well, you liked sex before. Why don't you like it now? And yeah. that's and, and again, different people, you know, just like homosexuality doesn't mean everybody has the same kind of behaviors all the time or heterosexuality even, you know, with asexuality. Some people may like to have sex but just don't want the romance in it. Some people don't want sex at all. And yeah. some people are like, well, it's nice at the beginning. And then it tapers off and. I remember when I was but. dating uh, some of the gay boys, mm-hmm. and there's quite a few that didn't like kissing at all. Mm-hmm. It's just hmm. a big turnoff to them. That's interesting. <laughs> they like sex. They like. <laughs> so yeah, you can be, I guess, a sexual person and be aromantic, and it's like I don't really want the kissing and the hugging. I just want the sex, which yeah. again is also fine. Mm-hmm. We. Confuse the two, and not confuse, but conflate. Yeah. And uh, and I think sometimes maybe there's a sense. Uh, I'm thinking out loud here, so I'm not <laughs> sure where this is going to go. But you know, that romance is kind of like a prelude to sex, right? And so you have the romance, and then you have the sex, and then once you have the sex, you don't need the romance anymore, in a sense. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, oh well, we already did all the whole, you know, giving flowers and going on dates thing. We're we're married now. We don't need romance or. 
or again the idea that it's a part of sex so i'm going to romance you just to be having sex you know and i think that's where a lot of the heterosexual guys come in or don't as the case may be and they're like oh yeah when i first start dating a woman you got to get her excited and everything i'm gonna you know ooh foreplay yeah. and after that it's like well we already did the foreplay yeah that was three months ago that doesn't count now you know <laughs> it's like but we're having sex we don't need the foreplay yes yes we do that's the romance part you know well, and it's, it's also part of a woman's makeup is that mm -hmm. you can't just dive in and yeah. go hog wild yeah <laughs> you gotta you warm to it up first warm the engine up yeah it doesn't just Go zero to sixty in three seconds. Some guys that are kind of built that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people uh, are like that. Talk, talk to your partner. Find out mm -hmm. what they need. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. So it, sex, so but. it just seems like that the romance is is almost seen as an adjunct to the yeah. to the sex, and that it can. I don't know. I think maybe that it's okay to have a romantic relationship with somebody that's not sexual, but there's the idea that sex is going to happen later. Yeah. And, uh, the sex without romance, you know, just casual hookup or something is, is I think more frowned upon, but <laughs> I think, you know, it does happen. Sometimes you just want a quickie and you don't want to deal with anything else. And, you know, well, bam, bam. thank you, ma'am. To our station break time. Okay. <laughs> And I want to remind people to check out our website at ravenslayerleather.com. I've just loaded up a link for the body image healing training that I do. And this is a whole composite of things that exercises and things I did to really turn my life around and love the body I have, and this is whether you're asexual, bisexual, gay, lesbian, polyamorous, monogamous. Before you can love another person at any level, you have to be able to love yourself. Mm -hmm. And so this is a kind of way to open the door and really learn about your own body, your own self, how you're made up, and check out some of the things you tell yourself. Are they good? Are they bad? And so I go through a whole bunch of different exercises or action steps mm -hmm. to take, and and I also look at the definition of what is beauty, and ask mm -hmm. the question: Is you know because we get this Hollywood version that's so shallow and superficial it's mm. just physical beauty but beauty can go so much deeper and there's ways we can become more attractive and be more sexy if you want to be or be more confident confident and mm -hmm. also be more alluring mm -hmm. alluring and non-sexual ways <laughs> mm -hmm. because there's times when you want to just look good and shine out mm -hmm. and so and i even have a body hack in, <laughs> in it to when you have to be on in the showroom so to speak <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. to really boost your uh presentation abilities mm -hmm. and shine right. out yeah <laughs> 
So check it all out at raymondslayerleather.com. And so we come back to our discussion on asexuals. Mm-hmm. What are some of the other thoughts you have about asexuality? Well, I guess I mostly just that, you know, there is this, this big myth about it. And, you know, interesting that you're bringing up the body positivity and all that. You know, I think a lot of body, body positivity and the sex positivity movement, you know, good, good movements. But mm-hmm. again, with the emphasis on the sex and the body mm-hmm. and, you know, I think sometimes there's an overemphasis on, on sexuality and uh, sexual well, sex, <laughs> I guess, you know, just sex, having sex. Oh, yes. And uh, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, you know, but um, that it's not always the way it is for, for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes in some of these sex positivity and body positivity things, there's this idea that to be sex positive, you have to be wild and crazy and have all kinds of toys and be having copious amounts of sex with massive orgasms all over the place. Mm, and sounded like somebody you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder where I got that one from. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying that can certainly be good. But, you know, we you can be sex positive and still have vanilla sex and once a week and, you know, missionary guy on top type thing. And you can also be sex positive and body positive and not have sex at all and yeah. not even want it. Yeah. So that's that's something I think that's very important to, to pay attention to and to keep in mind is um, that it's it's not always going to be about sex and it shouldn't be about sex and people can have he- happy, healthy, full, rich lives without it, mm-hmm. you know? So I think one thing I should bring up is the topic of passion. Mm-hmm. And okay. oftentimes we think passion is linked just to sex, mm-hmm. but passion can fire us up in so many different areas. Mm-hmm. I know that Paul, who I've been training, has mm-hmm. a deep passion for math. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've known other people yes, that get just super impassioned and mm-hmm. one area or another and really put everything into it mm-hmm. music arts yeah. all kinds of things and so passion's kind of an interesting part of this whole formula mm-hmm. yeah. developing our passion and i think one of the things it does for us is it does give us that sparkle that that kind of drive and that energy yeah. when yeah. we become impassioned it's we were watching a craft show last night and mm-hmm. one of the things that went through it was their passion for what yeah. they were doing and deep yeah, deep interest and just constant constant work with it and yeah you could just see it in the way they talked and how mm-hmm. how interested they were yeah and uh and so we i think passion can be such an amazing force now of course my passion sex yeah and i think you know we do use passion in two different ways we do talk about people having a passion for the arts or a passion for teaching or whatever Mm -hmm. but of course then there's the passion sexual passion right you have to have a passionate love affair a passionate kiss or something like that and and uh which can also be good too but, hmm, again, now I'm just kind of thinking 
I think we have a tendency to say that good sex or, you know, people should always be having that passionate sex and that wonderful, yeah. again, mind-blowing orgasms all the time. And if you're not, mm -hmm. then you're doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's okay just to have normal, everyday, casual, yeah, that was pretty good sex, you know? You yeah. don't always have to have that passion every time, but, mm -hmm. uh, you well, know. One of the things mm -hmm. I've discovered is that I've had all kinds of sex, casual sex, quickie sex, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. full-bodied sex. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And one of the things I've discovered is that there's different types of orgasms you can have. Mm -hmm. And they give different things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've had the quickie under a minute or from start to finish. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's... <laughs> It's kind of a different kind of orgasm, more of a release than a... Yeah, yeah. And then I've had those spiritual experiences mm -hmm. in sex, where nice. I've had out-of-body experiences yeah. and out-of-body orgasms, and those mm -hmm. can be incredible. Yeah. And it's, once again, how can you compare <laughs> yeah. one with the other? They're totally different things. Mm-hmm. But they Absolutely. all fall under the same word, orgasm. Yeah, yeah. And, and I've had full body orgasms. I've had just orgasms that start in my genitals and pretty much stay there. I've mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, an amazing array of them. But I've been training while well, studying tantric sex and Taoist sexual techniques mm -hmm. most of my adult life. So I've yeah. really explored and and come to know my body well and mm -hmm. how it works mm -hmm. yeah but yeah so just you know this idea of passionate sex is a part of sex but doesn't have to be the whole thing and then yeah i think un uncoupling passion from sex you can be passionate about other things and not <laughs> not and not and have I think, sex <laughs> but i do think passion is an important part of our lives whether it's sexual yeah. passion or passion and yeah, some we have to have activity, because it's interest, yeah. what gives us that zest for life, that yeah, that motivation to yeah. I think that's what going. gives meaning to life, if you yeah. will, or purpose to life. You know, when people say, "What is the meaning of life?" Again, that's always one of those questions that's bothered me because it's like I don't think there is one meaning of life nah. there's many meanings of life and i think yeah. people have to find it for themselves what is your meaning of life and it can change mm -hmm. um, but yeah i think you're right that so i think you're right passion is a very important part of life it's just not necessarily an important part of sex yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it that way but uh yeah so it's i mean certainly important you can have passion in other areas without having passion in sex mm -hmm. or if you're like me you can have <laughs> super passion in sex. passion in about sex <laughs> so uh, let's see what else did we want to did we cover the other day to i'm trying to think if there's uh, anything we're missing uh, there's something i can't remember right off here It'll come to me in a minute, maybe. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this has been really amazing because for a story, I mean, a show that focuses on sex, I like doing the show on asexuals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and it's, it is a, a sexuality. It's a mm -hmm. legitimate sexuality, you know. Mm -hmm. 
And it's not just, like I say, just people who haven't met the right person or someone who hasn't <laughs> learned how to orgasm yet. And, uh, <laughs> and like I say, I mean, actually, for some people, maybe that is the case. I mean, there are many people um, who maybe have never had orgasms with, <laughs> with sex, and they just don't, in a sense, know how to do it right. Um, I'm thinking of, I can't remember what that statistic was, but it was something like, was it? 70% of heterosexual women have not had orgasms during sex or something. I'm yeah. like, that's, that's horrible. That's terrible. <laughs> you know, and it goes down. And then for and gay men, the and then for, is you know. Because in a lot of heterosexual relationships, it's mm-hmm. the primary focus is on intercourse. Male orgasm. Yeah, it's intercourse and, and uh, the, penetrative the, sex. and The vagina doesn't have many nerve endings. Yeah. You have to find them in the clitoris. That's, yeah, which is why foreplay is so important. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, that's where the woman gets the, the pleasure. So, yeah, so that's, that's certainly an issue, and I think that is an important thing is to say, you know, if you're not having good sex and you're not doing that, try different things and mm-hmm. see if that's it, or... But I, I do think it's also important to acknowledge that maybe you just aren't that interested in it, and that's okay, too. Yeah. You know? And it's discovering yourself. I think that's one of the things that helped me with the, and why I put together the body image healing, mm-hmm. is that we don't come with an owner's manual. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> We're pretty ignorant when we That'll first be... start out. Mm-hmm. And in a sex negative culture where we get no sex education. Yeah. The only thing we have to guide us is either our friends or mm-hmm. what we find on the internet. Mm-hmm. And there's so much bad information or yeah. in gay porn or in porn. Mm-hmm. And porn oh, is yeah. totally unrealistic. That's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a good sex mm-hmm. manual. No. Yeah. <laughs> And it's not a good manual on on developing oneself. On relationships, yeah, yeah, definitely not. Well, well I think the, there's also a, an idea that there is a right way to do sex. And so mm-hmm. we've been talking about the sex-negative society. It's just like you shouldn't have sex until you get married, heterosexually married. And then, by the way, you're supposed to want it all the time and, you know, be sexually open and, and stuff like that. Again, I'm speaking from the women's point of view is don't have sex, you know, turn your sexuality off. Don't entice the boys. Don't tease them. And then, but then once you get married, all of a sudden it's like, okay, you're supposed to give yourself completely to this guy. And now you're supposed to enjoy the sex and have really great sex. Go for it. And And one uh, of the things that's always bothered me is that with the whole, monogamous religious kind of upbringing that I had Mm -hmm. was that I'm supposed to date someone not have sex with them until we get married Mm -hmm. so I don't even know if we're sexually compatible and once I do get married to them it's supposed to be for life Mm-hmm. And now, now you better be sexually compatible or else, you know. It's, it's kind of a hit uh, or miss. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then, yeah, and how are you supposed to know what to do? Yeah, you know, and with no training, mm-hmm. uh, sex is an art. It's a skill. Yeah. And it's something we have to learn. 
I mean, I remember some of my early, early sexual experiences were so awkward. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. And, I think it's true for a lot of people. You know? Oh, it is. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've said this on the show before, too. In whatever other area of human endeavors are we expected to not study something, mm-hmm. not explore it and practice to get it better at it mm-hmm. and, then... and not have someone guide us and teach us mm-hmm. sex is the only area that we're supposed to stumble in the dark <laughs> well i wonder too if it's um this idea that sex is innate it's a natural you know instinct or something yeah. like that and you know to a certain extent i mean animals do it and they don't have manuals what's wrong with us right and well, to a certain yeah. extent you know i mean i think a lot of people do have this innate drive toward sex and procreation and or not or whatever but you know so there is this kind of instinct within us but that's not that doesn't mean the sex is going to be good. Yeah. And I think that's, again, where some of this conflation comes in. But also, humans are different from animals oh, yeah. in that human females don't go into heat mm-hmm. and put off chemicals that drive the boys wild. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, dogs, cats, mm-hmm. just about all the wild animals out there go mm-hmm. into what's called heat. Mm-hmm. And they put out very strong chemical scents. Yeah. That mm-hmm. brings in tons of possible mates. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, but I mean, it's just, you know, I, I wonder how much that factors into it, this idea mm-hmm. that because it's innate and an and innate uh, need for many people, mm-hmm. um, you don't need teaching in it. You just do it, right? And you're... You'll pick it up as you go along. And I've heard like some horror with... stories. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. Uh, around that. So, so is it? You know, I'm I'm just thinking it's it's like the difference between learning to speak and learning to read and write. Speaking is natural, yeah. and uh, you know, regard. Re, I mean, uh, taking into account any sort of deafness or or speech impediment, a child will learn to speak if they are spoken to. Yeah. And they'll learn any language, and they do it with no formal training whatsoever. But reading has to be specifically taught. Yeah, reading and writing. And yeah, I know there are some kids who pick it up very easily, but that's because they're exposed to books and they're read mm-hmm. to, and all that stuff. So, I think in a certain way, sex could be considered that sort of um, innate. I think there's innate components, yeah. but there's also parts of sexuality that are mm-hmm. very definitely learned skills. Oh, yeah, and I think maybe there's a difference between, you know, speaking and, and speaking well. There's mm-hmm. learning to speak and then speaking, you know, grammatically, yeah. quote-unquote, correct, whatever your language considers correct. But uh, So, yeah, and then, of course... But with languages, people do pick it up and they practice and they try things out and they, they do new things. And mm-hmm. yep, we're not we're not encouraged to do that in sex and until yeah. after you are safely married. Well, even for married, married couples, there's not really a good sex education. Yeah. Now there's right. marriage counseling. There's marriage. Mm-hmm. There's. Well, I guess the idea <laughs> is that you're gonna 
fool around with each other and figure it out between yeah. the two of you or something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's, it's crazy. It's kind of crazy the way we are kind of strange the way we deal with sex in the society. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, it's kind of surprising that we managed to get this far and mm-hmm. not just. No, no, there is a kind of drive, sex drive in many people that helps the process, but mm-hmm. it's still... Yeah. And sex, one of the things that I find interesting about sex is that it is such a primal part of us. Mm-hmm. It is so something that, or it can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it can be this kind of primalness to sex. Yeah. And and that kind of brings me back to that boyfriend I had that wasn't a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. There was kind of a primalness to that intimacy, too, that was very special, that bonding and that, you mm-hmm. know, sense of him being a brother. Yeah. That was... And again, I think that's something deeply innate in yeah. people is this, this need for intimacy. Yeah. And physical intimacy and emotional intimacy and and uh, intellectual you and know. i know they've done studies in hospitals with newborn infants and they don't receive human touch they die mm-hmm. yeah yeah so we're talking about the language actually and and there's that uh, infamous study where mm-hmm. was it some king or something like that wanted to see what language babies would naturally speak and so he got all these orphan babies and um, had nurses take care of them, but the nurses were very uh, strictly told, do not speak to the babies at all. Yeah. And I think you know, they picked them up and, and hugged them and stuff like that, but didn't really play with them and and all that. Yeah, and the babies all died because mm-hmm. they didn't get that intimacy and that uh, connection that they needed. Yeah. Um, and spoiler alert, they didn't actually speak any languages <laughs> at all, so <laughs> without language input. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think that's definitely a... a need that people have i think that all people have is this need for intimacy to varying degrees and again people who are asexual and aromantic probably need less of it but they still need intimacy and closeness and and touch yeah and there is something that we transfer when we touch Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's it's an back to that energy thing Mm -hmm. you know we we're exchanging energy when we touch one another yeah. And touch can be sexual, but it also can be just very, it can be very intimate and very nurturing, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we need that nurturing at times. Yeah. It's like, I think all people yeah. need. Yeah. And again, I think that's where this idea that that sort of thing, the touch, the intimacy, physical intimacy is so closely tied to sex and that you should only be physically intimate with somebody if you're going to be having sex with them. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe to a, you know, to a lesser degree, obviously between parents and child and things like that. And so, yeah, so intimacy. And, um, I think there's this idea that intimacy, physical intimacy, um, has to lead to sex and to it, like I say, a lesser degree between parents and children, especially mothers like breastfeeding their children. And, you know, obviously there's some intimacy there and hugging your kids and whatnot. But, um, I read something somewhere, don't remember where it was, so take it with a grain of salt, but, um, it was a study and it showed that 
people hug less as they get older Mm -hmm. and they hug their older children less than they hug their younger children. And it's just, you know, with kids, I mean, you do this all the time, right? And they're always coming up and they hug people and all this. But then after a while, that's kind of seen as, you know, it's not appropriate. Don't hug people. Because, again, hugs and kisses are often seen as having a sexual component to them. Yeah. You hug and kiss your lovers. You don't hug and kiss your friends necessarily, you know. And And I think that's where we can learn so much from asexual relationships. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. Yes, you can have physical contact without it being sexual. Yeah, yeah, and that's And it can be very fulfilling and really give us what we need. Mm -hmm. Well, we're at the top of the hour. (laughs) Boy, that goes fast. (laughs) Yeah, it does. (laughs) Anything you want to kind of wrap it up with? Any thoughts? Um, Not really. I guess just reiterating what we said at the beginning is that, you know, there are many different ways to be sexual, and um, even being not sexual is is legitimate, and it's just the way that people people are. People are different. Everyone's different. Oh, yeah. And I think, you know, we often think, one of the things I kind of want to touch on is mm-hmm. this concept that everything stays the same over time. And, mm-hmm. And... Actually, that doesn't happen in nature. Yeah, no. Uh, that's very rarely does that happen, and that's usually because something's going wrong. Actually, yeah. but basically, we are in this process. Mm-hmm. Relationships are a type of process. Yeah, absolutely. And they grow, they flourish, they change. Mm-hmm. The dynamics change, and so it's very powerful that. That's part of what makes relationships so interesting. Mm-hmm. Very true. Is that they don't get stagnant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that pretty much wraps us up for the night. And wherever you are, enjoy your body. Have those nocturnal emissions. <laughs> enjoy your beautiful self. Whatever form it takes, however you like to express it. Because all forms of love and are acceptable, mm-hmm. even platonic love. <laughs> yes, yes. And so have a good night. Good night. I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show 
so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual. <laughs>